This episode of That's What G Said is brought to you by full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Visit cindycarava.com for all of your real estate needs. On this episode, we're going to talk a little Thursday night football recap of the Jags-Titans. Uh, baseball, looking what the playoff picture looks like. And then an interview with Dave Weaver, my good friend from TVG. And this interview is really more about football than it is about horse racing. We go through the football slate for week three of the NFL. We discuss all the games, but we really talk about the games that we like to bet for the most part. Dave gives uh, his plays for the week. And then I'll go over NFL picks, some Saturday racing. On the most recent episode, we dived into parks. So if you want parks, just find the last episode of That's What G Said, and you can get parks for Saturday. This episode, we're going to talk a little bit of Belmont Park, Charlestown, Churchill, and some Laurel. And then we close things out with a recap of Ballers' final season, season five, episode four. Hope you all enjoy. Here we go, another episode of That's What G Said podcast. Full swing in the NFL season right now, huh? Gosh, I, I'll tell you, I'm 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 a sicko because I love the work. Uh, I love when these NFL games come up because I'm gonna dive into them, watch every play, take notes, recap everything. Lots of fun. Lots of work, but lots of fun. That's what's great. When you find something that you enjoy doing, and I never have a tough time spending hours watching replays or re-watching games or um, researching uh, segments to discuss. So that's always what's fun. Hope everyone's having a nice week out there. You'll probably be listening to this on Friday, September the 20th, maybe Saturday, September the 21st, as we head into week three of the NFL season. Actually, week three started just last night on Thursday with the Thursday night football game. And these Thursday night football games, they are ugly. So far, the season in general has been sort of ugly when you discuss the penalties through just a few weeks of the NFL season. Penalties, the holding penalties in particular... A 64% increase in offensive holding penalties. There have been 179 holding calls through the first two weeks of the season compared to last season. Um, There were seven holding calls in the first half of the Thursday night football game. Jags ended up winning this game 20-7. It was Minshew mania. Gardner Minshew. Rookie quarterback who's now made his second straight start, and he very very easily could be 2-0 and in his starts as they lost by one last week. This game was mostly about the 
the Titans defense, uh, excuse me, the Jaguars defense. And then as far as the Titans offensive line, not being able to, to protect Mariota and Mariota just looking bad, to be honest, he's did not look good again. There's discussions now about possible quarterback change in Tennessee. Mariota was 23 for 40. He did throw for 304 yards, but he got sacked nine times. He got tripped by one of his own offensive linemen. He was not making good decisions. I, I think at one point they said he looked kind of nonchalant back in the pocket, and I'd agree with that. And this is the the template for the Jags from a few years ago when they've been good, right? Really good defense. Make the plays when you have to. That's what Minshew did. Uh, a couple times when the Jags were able to set up on shorter fields, Minshew was able to drive him down, score a touchdown. Fournette did not run the ball well at all. They have to get better as far as moving the ball on the ground. Jacksonville. Fournette broke a 69-yard run late, and he only had 66 yards. He was in the negative rushing yards for almost all of the night. The one positive I do see with Fournette is that he is just from like a fantasy football standpoint, and even just from a, a helping a young quarterback like Minshew standpoint, he's uh, catching the ball out of the backfield a lot better this year, receiving-wise, and he may actually made a great catch to help set up a, a field goal. So, positive, negative, uh, at least he was able to break that late run for you in fantasy. I have Fernand in a couple leagues, and so I was uh, very thankful that he broke that one. But this was just, the rain started to come down, yeah, uh, it was. I mean, the Jags recovered. They went three and out to start. Tennessee muffed a punt, and the Jags recovered on the next play. And it was first and goal from the seven. The Jags scored a touchdown right there with 13 minutes left in the first quarter. They they were up seven nothing, and that was pretty much all they needed. Um, Tennessee picked up a first down, then they punted, and the Jags go six plays, 62 yards for a touchdown. They go up 14 nothing. Westbrook with a really nice Westbrook drive, but then he had a couple big drops later in the game. He dropped a touchdown, like a wide open touchdown. But he had catches of six, twenty-eight, and four on that drive. A couple four net runs, and then a TD pass to Shark for twenty-two yards. Minshew was twenty of thirty for two hundred four yards and a touchdown. And the Jags D was dominant, dominant. So that was a our first play of the week. We had the Jags there, like plus one and a half, two. Um, hopefully you played along there. Really sick beat in the college game. Now we're up to ten and four in the NFL against the spread. Uh, down to five and three in college because we lost in the college last night with Houston. This was a brutal beat. If you backed Houston in the Tulane game, Houston was a plus five underdog. They ended up losing this game thirty-eight to thirty-one. They were up twenty. 20- 8-14 to 14 at the half Houston scores 3 points In the second half They miss a field goal They're down by 3 Driving late In the second half And I'm just hoping They either score a touchdown Or turn the ball over I don't want them to kick a field goal I don't want them to tie And then go to overtime And then have the opportunity to lose by You know 6, 7, 8 in overtime 40 seconds left Houston's at the two-lane four-yard line. Come on, get in the end zone. No, Houston can't get in. They kick a field goal with 27 seconds left to tie. 
So now I'm, I'm oh, we're going to go to overtime. I might lose in overtime. I'm not even thinking that there's a possibility that Tulane's going to win this game in regulation or score a touchdown in regulation. Maybe they kick a field goal because Tulane goes to set up like they're going to kneel down. They pull a fake knee, a fake kneel down. They were in like victory formation. They were just going to run the clock out and go to overtime. They fake it. They they run a an end around, and then they hit a fifty three yard touchdown pass with three seconds left. They weren't even trying to score a touchdown. They they were literally just trying to get themselves into field goal range. Houston had two missed tackles on the play. Third couldn't run couldn't run them down, and they end up losing with three seconds left. From being up to coming back to the fake kneel to the final play, so many things had to go wrong in order to lose that game. That's sick. That when you lose games like that, it's bad from a betting perspective. It's like man, five things needed to go wrong for us to lose that game. Things have been really good so far for a few weeks, but you know, at some point, things are going to turn and go, and and you're going to lose because it's difficult. So anytime you're close like this, you just want to try to get on the right side of this game. This one leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Ugh. Do a little look in baseball. So the Yanks are up to 100 wins now. They are 154. The Astros are 153. Both are up on the Dodgers for the best overall record, it looks like. With just 8-9 games left for most teams, the Yankees, Astros, and Dodgers will be battling it out for that best record. And probably be between the Yankees and the Astros from what it looks like now. We might have one... Division race in all of baseball The Yankees are up 9.5 In the AL East, the Twins are up 4 In the Central, they'd have to have a big collapse Through the last week and a half The Astros are up 8 on the A's The Braves are up 9.5 in their division Uh, The Cardinals is really The only one, Cardinals are up 3 on the Brewers and 4 on the Cubs And, And the main reason why is because the Cardinals And the Cubs still play 6 games against each other As I'm recording this podcast the Cardinals Cubs game is just starting on Friday morning, so it'll be that'll be included in the six games they have left against each other. They'll close the se- the season with three games. So, if the Cubs pick up a couple wins over the weekend, they still have an opportunity to win that division, and they could help vault the Brewers to win. And then the Dodgers uh, sealed the deal a long time ago in the NL West. But when you're looking at the wild card standings, that's where there's still a race in both leagues, actually. In the American League, it's a three-horse race for the two spots in the wild card. The A's have the number one spot. They're now two games up on the Rays and and the Indians. So the Rays and Indians, they are deadlocked. They're trying to squeak into that second spot, the final playoff spot there in the American League. So it'll be a, a real battle between the Rays and the Indians. And even the A's, they, they're only two games up. They can't get too complacent. But the Indians have won four in a row to give themselves a big opportunity to get right back in it. Over on the National League side, the Washington Nationals are only a game up now in the number one spot over the Brewers. The Cubs are a game behind the Brewers. So right now, the Cubs are not in the playoffs. They are on the outside looking in. If the playoffs were to start today, it would be Nationals versus the Brewers in the wild card game. The winner of that game would play the Dodgers, and it would be the Cardinals versus the Atlanta Braves in the National League. And then in the American League, it would be the Oakland A's versus the Rays in a wild card game. Winner of that would end up playing 
the Astros, and then you'd have Yankees versus Twins. It's going to be some combination there. In the NL wild card race, I mean, the Mets have a slight, slight chance on the outside looking in. They're three and a half out. The Phillies are four out of the wild card. They're four behind the Nationals, but the Phillies and Washington, uh, the Phillies and the Nationals have a five-game series coming up September 23rd through the 26th. Imagine if Philly were to, to take five, to win five in a row, it could make some ground up. Now it's not likely, but you have an opportunity at least when you play a team that's in front of you. So they can still make some noise if Philly has a good weekend, and then they go and maybe they take four out of five from Washington. Makes up a lot of ground in a hurry. Big thank you. To my good friend Dave Weaver Ice cold Dave Weaver You know Dave from TVG And now Dave Has been focusing Over the last couple years a lot more on All sports Wagering as TVG And FanDuel have partnered up So Dave now is on a show called More Ways to Win And you'll hear all about that Right now coming up from Dave Weaver Before you do listen to this interview with Dave Wanted to mention CindyCarava.com One of the sponsors of That's What G Said Podcast If you need anything in real estate If you're looking to improve your home Maybe you need some uh, landscapers or or gardeners uh, Cindy Carava is who you call Are you looking to buy, to sell, to lease? Cindy Carava is who you contact Are you just trying to find out how much your home is worth? Cindy Carava You probably know the name Cindy Carava, it sounds familiar Her husband is Jack Carava Trainer, horse trainer on the Southern California circuit For the last 30 years I've known Cindy for a decade She is the most honest and genuine person I've ever met You know, it's like There are for me a few things that I don't know anything about And I I don't know anything Really about real estate, I don't know anything about cars Uh, I don't know anything about medical stuff For the most part And so you just want to be Put in the hands of someone that you know you can trust. And I trust Cindy with everything. So send her an email, cindyc.realtor at gmail.com if you have any questions at all. Let's get to Dave Weaver. Back here on That's What G Said podcast. Up next, going to be our lone guest of this show. If we were to pull out a dictionary and look up the word degenerate, you would find a picture of this man's face smiling right there. And actually, now it's not even pictures anymore. It'd probably be like an audio greeting. You click on it, and he would say, Ice cold! Exactus! <laughs> Dave Weaver, my good friend from TVG. How you doing, Dave? I was already smiling as soon as you started to give your spiel. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, let's give a little background. I'm, I'm sure most people who are listening to this know who you are from TVG, but uh, those who don't, um, let's talk a little bit about how, uh, how you got to TVG, which is a really cool place where you get to cover horse racing all the time. And now you're actually covering football and horse racing. So how did someone like you uh, get involved in horse racing, gambling in general? And then how did that get you over to TVG? Well, I grew up right down the street from Los Al. As a matter of fact, I'm watching the opening leg of the pick five. They're mid-stretch. I singled the one. <laughs> He's up by three and a half lengths. So come nice. on, wire, wire. <laughs> um, so, so I grew up so close to the track. And, you know, being a 10, 11-year-old kid and there's horse racing in your backyard, 
there were people that went. Um, you know, my dad passed away when I was nine. I, I really don't remember going with him, but I, I know he took us, you know, when, when we were like super small. But, but after that, you know, friends of his that had kids my age continued to go and we'd go with other parents. And eventually we stopped going with the other parents and just started going by ourselves and sneaking <laughs> through the turnstiles and whatnot. But I always had a, a bug for the track when I was, you know, 12 years old. I would be there every night betting the harness races or quarter horse, whatever it was. And, you know, I love that more than going to school. So getting into high school, a little bit more uh, of a passion, started working, selling the tip sheets out front. Um, this is, you know, how I met like Les Onaka back in the day and quarter horse Tommy legends, you know, um, you know, Baedeker's card, Bob's, you know, we were all out there. This is before, you know, people would be able to bet from home and you'd have to go to the track and, I would be out there making a few bucks, go inside, bet a few bucks. Sure. And, you know, I just I just always loved being around the tracks. So that's how it started. I got a job at Hollywood Park right out of college, actually kind of in between right out of high school, went to college briefly, started working before I even graduated college. So I ended up just getting right into my dream job right away working at Hollywood Park. I made the little program, that little eight and a half by 11, or actually smaller, it was like four by nine, I guess, the little little one you could put in your pocket. And that was my job for a few years until TVG came around, and then I started with them in 1999. But I've always loved the racetrack, and I've always loved to gamble. I mean, back in the day, I don't even know if you knew um, that we used to go down to TJ, to Agua Caliente. Nice. Like 510. There's no, no, this is sports betting. Oh, this is not racing. This is like, there's no age 21 limit in Mexico for betting. You know, like my brother was a little bit older. So let's say he was 18. I was 15. I'd be betting parlays in Tijuana when I was 15 years old. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'm sure there were ways to do it here in America too. But, But, you know, I like to play by the rules. So I would go down there and have a ticket in my hand and be all, excited about the 9 a.m. game between Rutgers and Temple and (laughs) I was pretty sick at an early age Gino well it hasn't changed a whole lot since then no I like to make a bet here and there just to say you you like to (laughs) now before we get into breaking everything down um, I want to give you a chance to mention a really cool cause that you're uh you're supporting right now and that's Les Onaka, a good friend of ours you've been really close with Les you mentioned him you work with him for many many years now and he's having some health issues, but you're doing something really cool. You're selling some uh, ice cold exacto shirts yeah. that you're giving the proceeds to Les. Tell us a little bit about that. I started a GoFundMe page for him um, about a year and a half ago, and that that's done well. That's still up. If you want to make a contribution to the GoFundMe page, type in the search word Les Onaka, you'll find it. But you know that kind of ran its course, and a lot of people just kind of forgot about the fact that you know he's not going to be able to come back to work. He has an autistic son that's older. Um, Andrew's probably late 20s, maybe even 30 by now. But Les, you know, has to give him a lot of attention. And um, obviously, he'd love to go and take him and do things. But financially, he's really able to do as much as he was. So I wanted to remind people that, look, Les is still here. He's at home a lot. He can't, he can't work. He's got nerve damage in his legs where he just doesn't really have the ability to to get out as much as he would like to. But I took him the other day, um, took him to Walmart. We went and bought some DVDs for his kid. And it was nothing better than helping out a friend. So sure. I figured 
kind of get the ball rolling again by I designed and it wasn't didn't take that long, but I just put an ice cold exacta um, on the front and then the back with me and the lemonade stand with the, the old graphic from TVG. And I'm given anybody that will donate fifty dollars to less an ice cold exacta T-shirt. So you can do that by going to custom dot com slash fundraising slash less Onaka. And there's like a landing page there. You can contribute 50 and then there's a there's a little tab that a lot of people are doing this additional donation, 10 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. But you can put the size you want, the color you want, and uh, it's going to close on October the 3rd. And then once all the orders are um, done, they'll print them out and, and ship them individually. So there's really no legwork for me other than setting it up. And then the, the difference of the fundraiser after the cost of the shirts and the shipping, they send a check to less. If I can sell 150 shirts, he's going to get somewhere around six grand. Oh, that's um, cool. I've already got like 60 and I really haven't even tried. I mean, I put it out there one day. I need to get a little bit more proactive on reminding people on Facebook and Twitter that countdown is on. I'm sure we'll hit a couple hundred, you know, hopefully he's going to get a check for 10 grand and he can buy his son a lot of DVDs. And we're going to help you out with that. That's awesome. Appreciate we, uh, that. We've been lucky because we got, a, we have a nice platform with some of our followers on social media and from some of the years we've been on, you know, TVG and, and different places. So, uh, we'll do our best to help you out, uh, and, and help out less. Cause that's an awesome Gesture that you're making there, Mr. Weaver. Um, let's uh, let's start to get into the NFL this week. So, what's cool about the last few years, you know, TVG was always the Horse Racing Network, America's Horse Racing Network. But now, with the relationship with FanDuel, with legalized gambling coming into play, you have an opportunity now where you get to be part of a show that just covers football during the football season. So things have changed for you a little bit over the last couple of years before it was just you're a fan, you're betting the races professionally, but you're playing football more of as a fan or as a better, some fantasy stuff here and there. Now you're actually diving in each and every week, going through every line, every point spread. Things have changed a little bit for you. It's pretty crazy. Um, and I absolutely love it. Um, we, you know, we merged with FanDuel, um, probably going to say it's been a couple of years now once sports betting was approved in new jersey the meadowlands opened up a sports book a FanDuel sports book and last year we started a tv show hey we got a tv network we own this sports book why not do a tv show about sports betting and we jumped on it quickly we did uh, an, an awesome job of it last year we hired lisa kearney who was an anchor for sports center um we've got the guy that actually sets the lines on the show that gives us incredible insight on, you know, where the money's coming, what, you know, what the potential liability is. If like, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, he said they're going to lose somewhere around $10 million just because Pennsylvania now has uh, um, legalized sports betting too. So up in that area, people are betting the jets, the giants, the The home teams. Yeah. Yeah. And and the jets and the giants, they're not winning the Super Bowl this year. No, no, But, but the Eagles have a chance. So it's pretty cool to hear, you know, those type of things that you wouldn't be able to get that information anywhere else. But the bottom line is I'm now talking about the NFL instead of horse racing for seven months out of the year. And what's been cool is I know the sport very well, but I've learned a lot of ways to to research things that I never would have by just being basically paid to do that. I have yeah. all day. Well, now you have time, the time to do put it. Put my resources yep. into doing it and just finding you know, websites, you know, if I have to pull 200 box scores, I will, but I've found ways to 
avoid doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great site called Pro Football Research that yep. you can put in different, you know, parameters. And I'll give you some awesome stats that I found using that today. That's kind of helped me learn shortcuts to be able to, you know, to get what you need a little bit quicker. And this has been a very strange start to the NFL season because you know, any sport every year, there's always going to be some really good teams and there's going to be some really bad teams. But in basketball, the last 10 to 15 years, we've really seen tanking start to take over because in order to, with new collective bargaining agreements and the way that the rules are written for a lot of these sports, in order to get better, you have to be really, really bad. And then you have to, <laughs> you know, so it's it's such a weird world where there's like being in the middle class doesn't really help you out a whole lot. <laughs> you know, like you get really bad and, and even a team like Cleveland, after you're bad, the Browns, you're bad for three or four years, you start accumulating all these talent and all these draft picks. And then you're inevitably just going to get a little bit better. Like these guys that are really talented from college are going to help your franchise out. But that is not the case with the Dolphins this year. And this is, I think, probably the most egregious case of tanking that I can ever remember in the NFL. Dave, it's week three. We have two games where there's a point spread up over 20, and we just don't see that in the NFL at all. The Cowboys game is up to 22.5. They're at home against the Dolphins. The Patriots are a 22-point favorite at home against the Jets, who will be starting their third-string quarterback. It's pretty insane how high these lines are getting this early in the year. You know, we've seen lines like this over the course of the NFL going back to 1987. was the first time that there was a spread of 20 points or higher. It was with Joe Montana's 49ers, but it was deeper into the season. For this to happen so early, you're absolutely right. It's just amazing. And the, and the Dolphins don't really appear to only be tanking on the field, but tanking in the front office as yeah. well with some of the moves that they've made during the offseason. It just seems like they don't care if they lose by 40 or 50, but at some point... Doesn't that have to change? I mean, right. you're not going to lose every game by 50 points all year long. It's just not – it just doesn't seem possible. And someone's someone's going to start, like, to take them for granted and to, and to come in there and, and just completely no-show. I mean, even last week, it's funny when you watch the game all the way through, like, it was like 13 nothing at halftime. The Patriots were actually trying to let them – not get beat by 50 in that game until, like, two late pick sixes and, and right. that – and that really like widened the margin there, but I, I mean, when you this, this is like historical. You were talking about um, how bad they've been. They were they are the second worst team all time as far as point differential is concerned. They've allowed ninety two points. They've only scored ten through their first two games. That's tied for second worst ever with the nineteen seventy three Saints. And the reason why you know, and I see I saw the line move their over under and win totals to start the year. Was it four and four and a half in some places And then that moved And after two weeks now it's down to one and a half Some plate most places They've moved it just after two weeks The only thing just an overall Thought about the Dolphins and then we'll start getting Into this week's line is that They are in a spot where They get a couple games against The Jets and their schedule Is not the most difficult they actually Do play you know Three or four Teams that aren't great but I mean Even when you look around the league Dave when we compare The Dolphins to to other teams that we think Are bad like the Bucks or The Giants or maybe even the Cardinals Like they just seem like they're in a completely Different world you know The 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 first game You just mentioned the Patriots weren't trying to be in that Bad 
the, the Ravens were. Harbaugh was up by like 50, and it was fourth and three. He, and he went for it and scored to get RG3 a touchdown. I mean, yeah. so at, at some point that's going to ease up and they're mm-hmm. going to get their easier spots, like you said, just because they have uh, an easier schedule from what happened last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, will they go 0-16 or at some point did the players say, look, do we want to go down as the worst team in NFL history? Or I know we need to tank. And it, if it gets to a point where Arizona's got Close. three wins, Cincinnati yeah. has a few wins, the, the bad teams are starting to show that they're not going to be one in 15 and they can afford to win a game or two to then it, yeah. still secure the first pick. Do they go like, okay. And, and maybe they suck bad enough where even if they did turn off the, the tank button and, and tried to Wouldn't beat matter. the Raiders, they would lose by 20. Who knows? We'll find out later in the year. But at some point, we're going to have to see how high it goes. Look, they're probably never going to play a team better than the Patriots. But remember, that was in Miami. It was, what, minus oh, yeah. 18? So what's it going to be when they road. go to New England? Minus 30? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Unbelievable. And uh, Except that's I think that might be like one of those week 15, 16, 17 games. Oh, no, I think it's the last game of the year. Back. I think yeah, it's the so last game of the year. Because I saw something where that they said. Bench Brady, though, you know? Yeah, I saw something that said, like, what are the odds that they're 0-15 and 15-0 when they play each other? Oh, God. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> in that, I, mean, yeah. I mean, as bad as they seem, I think a friend of mine's in Vegas, and he said he saw a line somewhere, will they go 0-16 was, like, a, a huge underdog. Like, it was, like, plus... 600 that they would go 0 and 16 and minus 900 that they would win a game. So obviously there's a game somewhere in there or two that, that the odds are going to be much closer to a pick them at some point down the road. Yeah. Than, than, than 25. They're they're, uh, they're uh, I've, I've heard they're throwing a real wrench into these um, survivor pools so far, because a lot of people now are just going to start picking against the dolphins every week. I mean, I, I actually didn't um, week one, and then I said last week, I was like, okay, I'm going to go Baltimore. And then this week, I'm going to go Dallas again against them. So I think a lot of people are probably doing that, that same thing. Uh, let's, let's jump into the slate this week, Dave. We'll kick off uh, the Thursday night game. Since we're recording this Thursday in the afternoon, we won't spend a whole, like, a whole lot of time. That's Titans-Jags. I, I got to give a mention to Minshew because I love that guy. He's just incredible with the stash. But uh, that, that's, a, <laughs> that, that's a great division. And uh, anytime there's someone named Gardner Minshew the second and there's no Gardner Minshew the first, you know, the guy is, is definitely an interesting character. And, he's uh, not a junior. He's the no, second. <laughs> he's the second. And apparently when he stretches before the games, he's butt naked in the locker room doing a stretching routine. And everybody's like looking at him like, what the hell are you doing? He's, and it's like his, his thing. He just does it right there in front of everyone. <laughs> he's, he's a funny guy. But uh Keep an eye on him. There'll be some good stories coming out if he continues so these to play. Thursday games have been so They're stupid, so bad. They're man. so awful. I mean, and it's not like the Packers and the Bears are supposed to be a bad game, but it was oh. gross. And then last week might have been the you know the, the worst game I've ever seen. Cam Newton, I mean, come on. I, I, had, I actually had passes. Carolina yeah. in my survivor on a few of mine. And, they, God, they look bad. And Tampa Bay didn't look much better. We'll talk about that. They take on the Giants. Carolina's playing Arizona, but just for whatever reason, the Thursday games have sucked. Miserable. Let's get into Sunday's slate. Uh, we have, man, a couple teams with really good defenses so far. We'll mention the game, take a quick hit on it. If you like one of the sides, uh, let, let me know, let us know. We'll stop and talk a few minutes about it. If not, we'll just kind of pass to the next one. So this game 
is now the Packers are about a seven, seven and a half point favorite. It opened at about six and a half. They're at home playing the Broncos. Vic Fangio looking for his first victory after going 0 2 to start as a head coach. Any thoughts on this one? Yeah. Number one, Denver's never won at Lambeau before. I mean, we're going back to 1970, I think. They've played there six times, five losses, and they actually tied a game, but they never won. Their last three games there, They've got outscored by 89 points. So, look, they're a team that's very good at home on, on occasion, not not very good on the road. They're not very good this year to begin with. The Packers are very good. I think they're a Super Bowl team myself. Yep. Um, and the Packers are rarely, for whatever reason, they're, they're never really get that much respect on the line where they're minus six, minus mm-hmm. eight, minus 14. It seems like they're always minus three, minus four. So I did a little bit of research. The last nine times that they've been favored by six or more, they're eight and one against the wow. spread. So, so these are the spots where when they're they supposed beat up on to people. blow a team out, they blow a team out. And and I think they're going to put the smack down on the Broncos. I mean, they, they haven't really clicked that much offensively. They had a decent first half. Last week, I think Devontae Adams had some 90 yards early mm-hmm. and then ended up with maybe just over 100. So they, they, got, they did get shut down a little bit. They were stuck on 21 points for most of that second half against the Vikings, but they did enough to win. They scored 10 points against the Bears, but I think this gives them a chance against Denver to kind of open it up a little bit offensively, get those stats up a little bit higher for these guys that have had a tough time the first two weeks to really shine. And, you know, I think it's going to be a romp. So Dave's on the Packers side there I would lean on lean Packers side No real strong one uh, either way for me in that game Lions at Eagles This game is now Eagles minus five and a half It opened up a little higher But I think because of some of the injuries Man we watched the Eagles play on Sunday night football Against Atlanta and They were a really banged up team They had no Deshaun Jackson Alshon Jeffrey got hurt Goddard got hurt Ertz came out of the game for a little bit uh, Aguilar got hurt Wentz got hurt I mean all of their skill players were banged up a little bit in that game And their receivers are They're still going to be a little bit shorthanded mm-hmm. You know um, So my take in here Is is more for a total Than than for a side And one of the things I've started researching Especially a little bit more this week than last week Is the defensive formation Some teams run a 3-4 mm-hmm. Some teams run a 4-3 um, so the Lions are basically playing against the same type of a setup that they saw last week against the Chargers, which is a 4-3 defensive front, um, and they've struggled against that. They won last week, but that's because their defense won the game for them. They won 13-10. to The Chargers but, blew that game, yeah. Yeah, the Chargers pretty much had it throughout and then couldn't get it done late. Um, so the Lions haven't scored more than 20 points against a 4-3 defense in their last six games, averaging just 13 points. So to me, I'm going to give them a few more. I'll say their ceiling is maybe 17. And what, what we've already talked about with Wentz being under the tent a little bit last week, you know, I, I think offensively they're going to take things a little bit cautiously. Mm-hmm. I see it being a low-scoring game. Um, Carson completed 58% of his passes last week. He was above 70% against the Redskins in week number one. But the Lions' defense is okay. Um, my play here is going to be the under. I'm with you on that side. Yeah, I, I don't really like a side of the game either way, especially with with the bang the team's a little banged up with the Eagles offensively. But I think that's the right side. There, two teams who have looked really good to start the season. Now the Ravens have played 
a couple teams that might be some of the worst, but offensively they look smooth. And I think it's it's more about what they're doing. And then the Chiefs, I mean, what they did last week, Dave, was unbelievable. You look at the game and it's 28-10. They scored 28 points in the in the second quarter. He scored four touchdowns. He had a, a spurt, Mahomes, where I think he had five consecutive plays of 30 yards or over. I mean, he's he's like a video game cheat code right now. And he's he's doing this without Tyreek Hill. Exactly. Remember, remember Hunt, they had to trade in the offseason also. So the guy who was one of their, their best players the last couple of years as a star running back. And Mahomes is actually his ankle's a little sore. He got he got hurt a couple of weeks ago and they had to tape up his ankle against Jacksonville. And you could tell he's still like a little step slow. This guy is just a different breed. Yeah, you, you take out Hunt, you put in Williams, you take out Hill, you put in Robinson. Whatever the moving pieces are, the one constant is Patrick Mahomes. And as long as he's there, he is going to make these guys scorers. So this is a fun game. Um, and, and we all know what the Chiefs can do offensively. But on the defensive side of the ball this year, last year the Chiefs were four or were 31st in the league in defense, giving up 405 yards a game. They were running 3-4 defense under Bob Sutton. They fired him. They brought in Steve Spagnuolo, who was the defensive coordinator for the Giants. By the way, he beat the Ravens when he was with the Giants back in 2016. He runs a 4-3, so it's, it puts an extra guy in the line, and it's helped. There's been some safeties, actually some cornerbacks that have been absolutely stepping up. Two guys in particular, Kendall Fuller and Javarius Ward. They are first and third in the league in tackles, which is pretty good for quarterbacks to be, you know, have to be that active. But this defense is so much better than they were last year. So if they stay on the same level offensively as they were last year, which would be almost impossible because they were, what did Mahomes have, 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards, but he's already got seven He's on pace for the same. Like 900 yards, whatever. Yeah. yeah, so if they stay offensively as good as they were and then you factor in a better defense, they – they are the team that could absolutely give uh, New England a run for their money. I completely agree. This game right now is five and a half, and I'm just curious. To this, I think you laid out the real interesting narrative of this game. What can the Ravens do to the Chiefs' defense? Can the Ravens continue to move the ball? I think this will be the game that we get a look at. Is this Chiefs' defense really improved? And... This is a watch game for me. I don't know if I really played either way because I think Baltimore will play well, but I just this is one of the games I think early in the season that I've been the most excited to watch because I think both of these teams are playoff teams and should have a good rest of the season. So this will be kind of a kickback, have a beer game for me. Ravens but, have looked awesome. I, yeah. I would actually bet the Chiefs, if you can see it, move to six and a half. It's been yes. stuck on seven, which is a terrible number. Um, if, if you see it drop to six and a half, to me, the Chiefs are the play. If you're looking at last year, they played late in the season. It was an awesome game, field goal, you know, at the end. But this is not the last year's defense for the Chiefs. This is no. 2019. And I, I think the Chiefs are the right play in here. But I'm, I'm not willing to take seven. I would love to, to have it drop to six and a half and then pounce. Yeah, that's key, too. I've been talking a lot about this. That's one thing. We have to be careful about watching those numbers when they move. You know, if you know that your team, if you're going to be on the on the right side of a number and you continue to see it move up, Maybe you want to wait a little bit to see if it clicks up again Like this next game, Bengals-Bills You know, the the Bills won their first week against the Jets They were down 16 to nothing They came back The Jets missed a couple kicks, an uh, extra point They completely blew that game And then we find out a few days later that Darnold 
has mono And maybe he was sick in this game In the game against the Bills to start Then the Bills go and beat up the Giants And the Bills were impressive in that game And they've won both games on the road Which coming into last week The stat was absurd Teams were I think 1-14 in 14 straight up uh, Heading into week 2 If they had to go on the road back to back And we saw I think 4 teams do well last week going back to back on the road I still feel like this is a little too high For the Bills now at minus 6 I just I'm going to take the Bengals in this spot at plus the 6 Especially if you can see it move up a little bit To, to 6.5 or 7 but it opened at 4 It's gone up a few points and I'm going to go the other way Just because I think people saw the Bengals Get shellacked by San Fran At home so everyone thinks that They're one of the worst teams in the league I think they're a little bit better than that They actually were feisty week 1 against, San, uh, against Seattle Up at Seattle so I'm going to give the Bengals A shot here to cover I'm going to go against you um, for for one key reason, and is that they have been throwing the ball a ton this year. That's not good against Buffalo, but Buffalo's secondary is is freaking really awesome. good, really um, good. So they have to run the ball, yeah. So they're going to have to run the ball, but they're not going to run the ball because they can't. So they're going to the worst in the league. Pass, mm-hmm. and so this is this is one of the um, references I made earlier with the Pro Football Reference website. So I put in first of all, Bills are rarely favored, yeah, um, but. Being favored and going against a team that's very pass-heavy. So the Bengals have thrown it 93 times in two games this year. Andy Dalton, going back to the beginning of last year, if you take out the game where he got hurt in Week 12 that ended his year, he averaged about 37 pass attempts a game. So I went a little bit lower than that, and I typed in, when the Bills are favored and the opposing team throws the ball at least 35 times, give me the results. Boom, 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 boom. Last eight games in that situation, the Bills are 7-0-1 against the spread. So I'm seeing a team that's going to throw, have no success doing that, and Buffalo just being too good in the end. And, and the line's not even that big, right? I think I it's mean, up it's, to it's six. Yeah. Is so, it? Okay. Okay, well, so that's, that's, that's the reason why I would – because if it was th- like four – I'm okay. Right. I'd probably lean more Bills, but then I think if you're up two extra points, that's where I would take the Bengals just because I'm – I'm almost ready to really start to get high on the Bills, but I'm going to wait maybe one or two more weeks, and so I'm I'm not sure if if these points are a little inflated because I I look at this Bills team and I wonder if they lose Week One, if they don't come back, and if if the Jets just are able to kick an extra point or a field goal and not blow a 16 point lead, I wonder if they're a six point favorite here in this game and maybe just yeah. a three and a half or four point favorite here. So I was just curious, I, I pulled up the Fanduel. Sportsbook app because when I'm doing my show, I'm always looking at the FanDuel line. Yeah, you have to use so, those lines. Sure. So it's six, but one thing I just noticed is that Kansas City just dropped from seven to six. So, so that's there we go. Now's when you punch it in on Chiefs mm-hmm. at minus six. Yep. Um, just because I, I happen agree. to be looking under so. a touchdown, that that's a good play for the Chiefs. Yeah. So Buffalo's the same six. They're both six. Let's go Falcons Colts. Two teams that got a win last week. Hey, I mean when. When Andrew Luck got hurt, I think a lot of people wrote the Colts off. But if you're talking about backups, Brissett is one of the best, maybe two or three backups in the league. He's a very competent QB. He's better than some of the other starters, I think. The Colts are favored in this game. This was a weird game for me. It's uh, Colts minus one and a half right now. I, I, this is kind of going to be a game I'm going to stay away from because people see the Falcons win, but the Falcons played miserable. I mean, miserable. They really shouldn't have won that game. Ryan was just throwing 
horrible pick after horrible pick after horrible pick. The Colts could very easily be two and zero if it wasn't for Vinatieri missing extra points and field goals. This is one of the games I had a tough time getting a feel for. What are you liking here? I remember one of your tweets during that game. What is Matt Ryan doing? Yeah, <laughs> was like, what the what hell? Was, yeah, that Just wasn't uh, that wasn't great. Double I like coverage, Eagles like Hail Mary. Like, yeah. yeah, Eagles got it, and then Boomy hits Jones late, but. I don't know. I have a lot of opinions on games this week, and this is not one of them. Yeah. This, I hate Weird. this game. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to stay away from this one too. So we'll move on to the Vikings Raiders. This game's up to nine. Uh, Raiders look good week one, but then we saw that Denver might not be very good when they came back uh, in week two against Chicago. And then, you know what? I'm watching that Raiders. KC game and and I text our buddy Mike Abadir who's a Raiders fan and it's 10 nothing at the end of the first quarter and the Raiders are are playing pretty well uh Kansas City had to punt the ball twice Oakland's looking a little feisty and the first play of the second quarter is a touchdown for Mahomes and then it's like I texted Mike that and then within 2 minutes it's 14-10 and then within 4 minutes it's 28-10 at the end of the quarter and then uh John Gruden said at the end of the game we just ran into a buzzsaw I mean, I don't even think the Raiders are as bad as most of us thought they were going to be. They just got shellacked by by KC there. This is a tough spot, though, for the Raiders now. After getting beat up, and then you got to go travel across the country early game. Got to go on the road and play a tough defense. I'm not really strong one side or the other in here, but now it's up to Minnesota minus nine. I love Minnesota. Yeah. I think they're going to absolutely smash the Raiders down the middle running the ball with Dalvin Cook. Here's a guy that yards after contact is far and above in front of everybody after two weeks. 41 more yards after contact yards than Marlon Mack, 43 more than Derrick Henry. And those guys are bruisers. But so basically you can't tackle him. He's going to run you over and then keep on going. The Raiders aren't great tacklers to begin with. And when Mike Zimmer knows that he can beat a team running, he's going to keep running. Um, This is one of the, my favorite stats that I found and one of the more surprising ones, I, I, I looked up the Vikings against the spread when they run the ball 25 times or more. And they were like four and one. Then I looked back and then they went to like 11 and two. And then they went back to like 19 and three. I'm like, Oh my God, I, you, you <laughs> go back 38 games. So it's not a small sample. You go back 38 games they're 32-5-1 and one against the spread when they run the ball 25 times or more. So then you look at the Raiders. Well, maybe they're a team that doesn't, you know, that doesn't let teams run on them. Wrong. Um, <laughs> since the beginning of last year, average rushing attempts allowed against the Raiders, 29.1. So I don't think there's any chance that Mike Zimmer doesn't know this. He's probably the best head coach in football. I mean, he, he's awesome, especially if you like winning. He's the highest against the spread winning percentage head coach over the last five years by far. I mean, he just he gets the job done. So that's a big line, right? Nine? No, I don't think so. I think they win by thirty. And as, as long mean, as it's under ten, I would be. I wouldn't talk you off taking it. I wouldn't want to go above ten and a half, like ten and a half. But to me, two scores in this game off. It's like the one thing I we think we start. I've started to learn a lot more the last couple of years too, and it's like it's it's not just picking winners, right? Because we it's it's the spots, and it's sometimes going against what you actually think. Um, and and it's it's about looking at the lines and which way they've moved. I think the Vikings are going to be really tough in here off of that loss last week because they should have won that game. 
There was a really bad OPI call against the Vikings that would have put them on top. Dave, I've never seen more offensive pass interferences call. Like last week, there were 15 of them. Throughout, but you throughout can challenge those now, too, and, now so. and now you can challenge It's unbelievable how many OPIs there are Just on both sides And that was a horrible call That was a Like you said It was a 21-16 game With 9 minutes and 12 seconds left to go in the third quarter Nobody scored in that Vikings-Packers game Both teams kept driving And then they turned the ball over late Cousins would make a bad play And I think just as you said I think Zimmer is going to just start really taking the ball Out of Cousins' hands a lot of the time I hope he does I, I hope Dalvin Cook runs it 50 times for 400 yards. Yep. Like, I don't usually suggest fantasy advice, but you got to start Cook this week. I agree. I mean, he's he going to have a healthy for the first time. Game. I have him in a couple of my season-long leagues, and, you know, we look at that it's it's about opportunity. It's about, um, you know, the touches. But when sometimes you just look at the eye test, and you're like, man, this guy just looks healthy. He's running well. When he's on the field, he looks like the best player on the field, almost always. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm very high on Cook. And uh, there's the Vikes. This this Patriots now we come up with the two big lines. Either of these twenty plus point spreads, or you're going to take the the Patriots minus twenty two at home against the Jets, or the Cowboys minus twenty two and a half at home against the Dolphins. I'm going to take the Patriots. Um, that Jets. I, I think the Dolphins right? actually could keep it closer with the Cowboys. I don't know. They both might blow them out. But I mean, here's a team that has not allowed a touchdown all year long. Going into Week Three. You know this defense is in the locker room challenging each other, see if they can extend the streak out even further than this. They play the Jets this week. They play the Bills, the Redskins, the Giants, and then the Jets again. I mean, we're not talking about powerhouse offenses here. They could do something pretty historical here with this defense. So, you know, this is the best Patriots defense (laughs) that I can remember ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they've had some really good ones, but this is amazing. And, And look. They, they shut the Steelers down and then they shut the Dolphins down. Two teams that have not looked great, but still, they're going to play another team that the ball hasn't looked great. <laughs> they're not playing a world beater this week. Just, this is you laid out with the schedule. They got the Jets twice still. They got the Bills twice still, and they got another game against the Dolphins at home. So we're not you know, like still on their schedule. They don't have world beaters left. This secondary is unbelievable because that's what's been one of the weaknesses with the Patriots is they've always been good. But in some of their down years, their defense isn't that great. And then we we say, okay, well they you know they beat up on a weak division again, and that's kind of why they're there. This team looks a little bit different. They really do. They were a, they were a little sloppy offensively in that game last week because it's just kind of hard to get pumped up when you're playing a team like the Dolphins who are who just you're, they're not even playing against you. You're basically just playing against yourself to see how high you're going to rack up the score. So it's a little sometimes that I don't think teams will get as motivated in those games. But I I would. Tell any person in both of these spots I don't like from a sharp standpoint Sure if, if either of these Teams were at home like the Dolphins or the Jets Then I think maybe I could build a case for you a little bit More but on the road I just don't I just don't see how either team keeps it close Yeah I mean I'm not playing the game But I, I think it's going to be somewhere like 38 to 9 where the Jets get some field goals but won't put it In the end zone the Patriots do what They do and that score close to 40 points so you, you take away Darnold Simeon's out, so Falk's starting. So who is their go-to guy? Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell has played in Foxborough four times with the Steelers, one touchdown. It's not his favorite place to play. You take him out. Bilicek is so good at taking away their best player. I mean, the, the Jets are, are going to, you know, eke out a few field goals if they're lucky, but it's a it, it's not my favorite game. I'm not, I'm not playing it, but my prediction is 38-9. to nine. 
Giants and Bucks. This game is the first of the afternoon games. The Bucks are now a six and a half point favorite over the Giants. What side are you on here? I mean, who are the Tampa Bay Bucks to be favored by six and a half percent? This is one of my plays for the week against anybody. Anyone? Are you kidding me? Anyone. I mean, going back to the beginning of last year, they're one and four against the spread. As a favorite, it ain't a one-point favorite, a two-point favorite. But this is an unfamiliar spot for them. Since 2013, they've been favored by six one time. This is just not a team that ever deserves to be favored by that much. Bring on Danny Dimes. Was, what, I, I've been what if this kid's good? This moment. Yeah, he is what if good. he's good? If, he's if, good. The, the Giants are 4-0 against the spread. Their last four games following a double-digit home loss. So they're good at bouncing back. They're 7-0 and against the spread their last seven games after scoring less than 15. They're 7-1 and against the spread in their last eight on the road. Everything here says that because they played bad, they get value in their next game. And the Bucks they beat Carolina last week, so now they're getting extra points when they shouldn't be, in my opinion. I think the Giants can win this game. Um, if they don't, I definitely think it's going to be tight. So I do, too. And it's, my it's play a- here is on the Giants. We and I think it's a it's built into the line just that we don't know about Jones and I'll take the I'll take the side that he's better than Eli or better than what Eli's been putting on the field recently because they lost the game twenty eight fourteen they scored a touchdown on their first drive it was seven nothing they got the ball back and they could have easily gone up ten nothing fourteen nothing it was second and six. Had a wide open pass to midfield to Ingram And Eli completely overthrows him You hit that pass, it's first down at the 50 You're moving the ball, you're up 7 nothing. You're like 15 yards away from a field goal Attempt, and maybe you go up 10 nothing, And maybe the whole game is different then And then later in the game It was 21-7 when the Bills took the lead The Giants got the ball back Five times down 21-7 Before they were able to score and make it 21-14 If you can kick a field goal In one of those possessions you make that game a lot closer. I just they're they're bad. I'm not pretending like the Giants are good in any way, shape, or form. But when you really dissect their games, they're not quite that bad. And now they have a reason for the team to kind of be a little excited. You have a change. You have a new quarterback in. When you watch that game, they had 19 missed passes, a couple of huge turnovers, and a couple of really big penalties. And Eli, he was deflection after deflection after deflection after deflection. You remove him from the equation. I'm all in on the Giants this weekend at plus six and a half. Yeah, Let's it's just him. too it's just too much for the for the Bucks. I Panther- hope people in my Survivor League are taking Tampa in the spot, please. Me too. Me too. I, I would love <laughs> Probably it. Probably not, but yeah, that would get a lot of people uh, out out right away if we can get a Giants win. Uh, down to the last five or six games of the slate, Panthers Cardinals. This one's moved a little bit because now I believe. This is right because Cam might not be playing and Cam's been in a walking boot. So the Cardinals right now are actually favored by two and a half. I mean, I'm as sick as they come and even I can't bet this game. No, me neither. I mean, I in, in one of those leagues where you have to pick every single game, I'm taking Arizona me too. Um, because I just can't stomach what I saw on Thursday night against Carolina, what, what they did uh, against Tampa Bay. But they did get some extra time. So that helps, right? When you go from a Thursday, you get to skip through Sunday. A couple extra days. Arizona played on the road last week. They got to go back home. So there is a little bit of an edge to to Carolina in that regard. But just from what I've seen on the field, I I, I like Arizona from what I've seen more than I like Carolina. And to start the year, I I thought Arizona was like a 1-15 team. Me too. They they still might be. But look, they got a little bit of, of, of spark. You know, the, 
their their air raid offense, at least he's letting this guy throw the ball 50 times. So let's take a shot down the field. I just um it's it's unbelievable to me that somebody could be so aggressive with the way they call plays and then so so tentative in the red zone. Dear dear lord, last week the Cardinals kicked three field goals down on their Within their opponent's five yard line That was like the first time in NFL history That that's happened when a team's been down And kicked a field goal On the five or closer three times What's crazy? They actually did it four times Because there was a penalty on fourth and, and like six And they and the penalty got them to the two And they didn't go for it then They kicked it again Which is wow. unbelievable And so it's like if you just kick one of those field goals if, Instead of one of those field goals If you go for let's just say Three times and you make it one for three, you win the game, <laughs> or you're right, you're right in the game when you, when you lose by six. Um, how about McVeigh does this too a lot, which is really weird. He did it again this week. He kicked two field goals within the five yard line. So I don't know what it is with these coaches that are really like aggressive offensive coaches, and then they get into the ten within the ten yard line and they put their tail between their legs. But if if, if Clingsbury keeps doing this, they're going to struggle, and, and I think people are going to find out that he's a good coordinator. But this is why someone like that shouldn't be a head coach because that's just a horrible decision making. Um, I'm staying away from this one also because I just I, I'm I'll I will say I think I'm a little bit wrong at least on Kyler because he's already been a little bit more competitive and successful than I thought he would be. Just like you, I thought get they up. might not win get a up. game and just get beat up. Uh, let's go Seahawks at home against the Saints, and this is the Saints now with Teddy Bridgewater who. I guess if we're talking like the Colts and Brissett, you have to f- think on paper at least that Bridgewater is one of the better backups in the league. Uh, what do you do here with this game? Boy, um, you know, there are two ways to look at it. One, he has a chance to shine. You know, he certainly had options to to maybe try to be a starter somewhere, and he waited it out to get his chance to, you know, take I think over it was gonna be Miami. Degrees. when yeah. that time came. Well, the, the time has come. So it's it's his time to shine. I'm not I'm not huge on this game. It's one of my uh, one of my kind of no plays. But they are on the road twice now. You know, to go on the West Coast two weeks in a row is brutal as far as the schedule goes for them. They didn't look that great in week number one to begin with, um, having to win on that 58 yard last second field goal to beat Houston. Then they obviously lost Breeze last week and never were really a threat to beat the Rams. But the one thing that that I was banking on those first two weeks is that the Saints stink in weeks one and two. Yep. So that was kind of already, to me, a foregone Built conclusion in. that they weren't covering those two. I, I made money against them in both. But for whatever reason, week three and on, they, they just are a different team. So uh, to me, this line is a little bit too high. Yeah, that's um, what I'm going to play. I, this Seattle is a line. beat Cincy by one. Give me a break. And then yeah. they, you know, they beat the Steelers after Roethlisberger's out. So to me, Seattle has not impressed me in either of their games. Nope. I think Bridgewater has a chance to put up some big numbers in this one. And and this would be a I mean, if I was playing this game, I'm betting the Saints money line. Yes. Either and, and they're winning or they don't show up and they lose again. Yeah, I'd probably play half. And then I, to me, I think once you get above the four, like I'm seeing four and a half some places, I think that's like I, I think that's a little much just because I'm watching these Seahawks game, as you mentioned. I mean, they absolutely should have lost week one And even last week They just were in such a great spot there With Ben going down And a couple turnovers It They have not been impressive whatsoever This is a play more against 
Really more of just against the line Because I think people were going to move Were going to overreact just to the fact that It's Bridgewater quarterbacking them But as you said, he, this is his spot now He could have been getting his butt kicked in Miami For more money But he said, you know what, I want to, to pee in a spot Where it might be better for me long, long run And this is the spot that he wanted Breeze goes down, you have a, a great team around you You have some pieces, let's see what you can do I'm going to take the uh, the Saints in here Plus the four. Hey, if you get four and a half, look for that because that's uh, I can see that in some places. And and he can't really sit too much because Taysom Hill is definitely get some sure. snaps if if he starts to suck. And so it's not like they, oh Breeze is hurt. This is my team, no matter what. No, he still has to make sure you get, he gets it done. <laughs> you go down last week in the you know against the Rams too in like a really emotional game. Like they wanted that game really really bad. Now you've had a week where he's taking all the snaps. Things are going to be a little bit uh, more comfortable for him. I'm sure they've written in a couple series that are more to, to Teddy's skill set, you know. So um, maybe we'll see him roll out a little bit more, use his legs a little too in here. I like I'd like him to bring both quarterbacks and, and try sure. to try to Mix confuse Seattle a little bit. I think that would be smart if they, you know, let Teddy take, you know, let's thirty, you know, thirty passes and give Hill, you know, ten or twelve, which will run a lot of those anyways. But this is where Sean Payton makes his money right yeah. now. Well, offensively, let's go to Texans Chargers. Chargers, man, they blew that game last week. It looked like they had their kicker issues all taken care of, and then a uh, couple missed kicks. They threw a, an interception on the twenty when they were driving. I mean, they had uh, nine penalties for over seventy yards. At the end of the game, they're down by three. They have an opportunity when when Rivers throws that bad pick to at least tie the game. They were they scored a touchdown early on. I mean, this was another game where there was not a whole lot of, of scoring going on late, and they kind of sat at thirteen ten for a while. But the Chargers continued to move the ball. This just looked like an old Charger game, one of those games where you look back on paper and you go, "How the hell did the Chargers lose this game?" Yeah, and and they get to come back home. You know that offensive line for Houston's been so shaky, and Deshaun Watson is always the guy that's on the move because. They just can't protect him. So eventually that's going to start to take its toll. Chargers certainly can bring it um, with the pass rush. I think it's going to be a long day for him. I don't I don't have a great feel for Me this neither. game. No. But I'm, I'm leaning Chargers. Um, yeah, I would lean small. that way. I just have not been – I think Houston coming out week one and you saw Watson – Look like a stud and he can do that in big games Like he did against New Orleans but I think Last week we saw kind of more of who they Really are they're not that great They're just like a, a slightly above Average team and Houston's got a pretty tough schedule This year too with this this is a big game For them as far as like maybe some playoff implications At the end of the year I'd lean chargers but No real strong play for me In this one um, Last three games this is your team You're a Steelers fan and It's been just an unfortunate Few months I mean you look at your team last year and the start of the season, you have Bell at running back, you have Roethlisberger at quarterback, <laughs> you have Antonio Brown as your wide receiver, and in week three of, of the year, none of them are playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who would have thought? Right. You have, you know, Mason Rudolph throwing to Juju Smith Schuster and handing off hopefully to James Conner. He, if he's healthy, he gets yeah. banged up all the time. Um, so this is one I had to do a little bit of research on as well because the Steelers just very rare for them to be a dog of, of six points, you know. Um, what is that line right now, by the six way? Six and a half. Move to six and a half, yeah. yeah. Um, so Mike Tomlin, 
in his tenure since 2006 when he took over the Steelers has been a six-point dog a total of nine times. Some of those were with Ben when they're playing the Patriots at New England, but others were with Charlie Batch or, you know, with their other backup quarterbacks when, when Ben was out and they just couldn't move the ball. So I think, you know, Dennis Dixon, um, Landry Jones, but I think from a coaching standpoint, when you know you don't have Ben, you're calling the game differently. You're yes. trying to win it with defense rather than with offense. So looking at those nine games when Tomlin was a six-point underdog or higher, it went under six times. So that's where I'm thinking this game is going to be low scoring. The average in those nine games total 42 points. So I like the under. And also I looked up the 49ers' ability to move the ball against three, four defenses that Tomlin and his defensive coordinator, Keith Butler employ. And the Niners last year against the three, four defensive fronts, two and seven against the spread. So combining their struggles maybe against this defense and Tomlin's play calling, that's going to be very conservative. I think that the Steelers are going to try to keep this one as close as possible in a low scoring affair. So my play is under, um, I'm not going to play a side. If you made me pick one, I would take Pittsburgh, maybe losing 20 to 17 or somewhere in there. But, but, but the under is one of my stronger plays of the week. I like the under and I'm, I'm on the Steelers side here. I, I think both with the Steelers and the saints, you're just going to get the overreaction points because of the, the quarterback injuries. And I still think both of these teams are talented enough to be competitive in these spots. I mean, just like we said with the Bucks, the 49ers are different in that they've been very impressive, but I still don't know who they are. I still don't know if they're a team that should be a six and a half point favorite against the Steelers. And hey, you know what? I thought Rudolph did okay when he came He's in. He's by far the best backup that the Steelers have had in 10 years. You know, I, I, mean, th- I mentioned those names Charlie Batch, yep. Landry Jones, Dennis Dixon. Of, those of guys any of them. Suck. You okay. feel the most comfortable with him. He, did, he just didn't look like he's going to lose the game for you. Not, not yeah, at all. Looked, I mean, he actually was okay. He was. Um, hopefully he's not too okay because I want the under. Yeah. But, but he's, just, not, he's not that bad. So we'll, we'll see if they can yeah. pull off an upset. And on an over, this is an, more of an overreaction play to people seeing how the 49ers beat the crap out of the Bengals last week. And, and now everyone's kind of jumping on the 49ers bandwagon. I still think they probably win the game. But as you mentioned, this could, this could very easily be a field goal game. So I'll take the few extra points. It looks like I'm getting here with the Steelers. Two games left. Sunday night game and then the Monday night Sunday night we have Rams at the Browns I believe this is the first time In I can't I I gotta look it up It's like 15-20 years or longer that they've Been on Sunday night football in Cleveland (laughs) They just haven't had many Years to go and and have a a night game In Cleveland like this but hey They haven't looked good in two games But there's teams that haven't looked good And they're 0-2 and at least Cleveland's 1-1 Right now and they got A Pittsburgh team in their division with Some injuries to, to worry about this is a big game for the Browns, and I actually like the Browns in here plus the three. That's that's the big movement to me. It's gone up now to plus three. If you can get the Browns at home plus the field goal, they've looked bad, and I don't think the Rams have looked that great. I think they, they're good, and I expect the Rams to be one of the teams kind of fighting for it all at the end of the season, but they, I th- they could have lost to Carolina That big play against New Orleans That should have been a touchdown uh, That was a horrible call That could have changed the whole complexion of the game there They didn't score a whole lot As I mentioned, McVay's been a little conservative Give me the Browns plus the three at home, Dave Weaver The Browns were and are still my Super Bowl pick Nice! Um, as soon as they closed last year, they were 40-1 to 1. 
and they were so snake bitten. Their first five games, they were they tied the Steelers. They should have won. They they lost to the Raiders. The the ref blew the call at the end the of the Saints. game. They should have won. The kicker um, missed the field goal against. I think it was against the Saints. Yep. They should have won. Like mm-hmm. their first five games, I think they were you know one or one three and one or oh four and one, and they should have been five and zero. Oh. So mm-hmm. at the end of the year, they're seven eight and one. That they were a playoff team. I mean, so to me, I thought they were going to be better. Then they go out and they get Odell Beckham Jr. To me, their defensive um, front is outstanding. I mean, I think they lead the league in sacks as it is right now through two games. Miles Garrett, absolute stud. They have other guys that can get to the quarterback. So I think defensively, offensively, they're still strong. Absolutely, uh, they're my pick in this game against the Rams. And this is, and, and that's why I like them on Monday night too, is because they had their chance to prove to America that they don't suck anymore. Everybody thinks that the Cleveland Browns are the same Cleveland Browns. They're not. Um, and if you can win the primetime games, that's how you prove it, right? So this is a huge game for the franchise and for Baker Mayfield to say, look, we're, we're going to go and beat the Rams. We're going to be 2-1. and one. And if Baltimore loses to Kansas City, boom, they're tied for first in the division. The Browns have a decent defense, and the Rams uh, with Goff, they average 100 less yards passing per game on the road. Incredible home road splits there. So the Browns at home, let's take those points plus the three. I like the Browns too. I picked them to win the division. I picked them over in their over-under, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm still high on them. It's like We've seen this in the first few weeks. People, people react way too much to one game, and that's the game that you have to play the opposite week because you're going to get a, a free point or two built into the line. Let's go Browns. Closing things out, Redskins at home Monday night. They host the Bears. Um, Redskins need to get a victory here so they don't go to 0-3. Bears very easily could have been 0-2, that ending of that last game. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if Trubisky was down when they called that. With nine seconds to go, he was able to avoid a sack, Roll out, scramble, hit a 25-yard pass Robinson goes down, gets touched And they call a timeout all in 9 seconds I don't know Nonetheless, he had to make a big play He made it um, I I just don't know about the Bears They're a 4-point favorite on the road here against the Redskins First of all, they're winning that game Until, you know, about 40 seconds left When Denver scores <laughs> and then And then gets balls and goes for 2 And, and they get that well, well they penalty, actually they missed, right? yeah, they missed yeah, the two. It bumps right. them back to the to have to kick an extra point. Then they kick the extra point, and the Bears are off sides. And, and then, then he shows back. his webos again and goes for it, <laughs> which I yeah. love. So that was just a crazy finish. I think they take that momentum into Washington. Number one, the Bears are just so much a better team than the Redskins. Number two, the Redskins suck on Monday night. Okay, they're they're actually six and eighteen, I believe it is, against the spread. All time on Monday night, but the six times that they've covered were against the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Giants, all divisional wow. opponents where they get up. So they're 0 and 9 against the spread on Monday night football against non division opponents. So to me, yeah, you, you want to get up, it's Monday night football, but the Bears are going to come in there and take care of business. I, I, I like that end a parlay to Chicago and Drink a few cervezas and enjoy the Monday night game, closing out your parlay, Bears minus four. 
this I think we'll have two games where we go straight up against each other. So we'll have to. You like monitor, the skins? Yeah, we'll have well, to monitor. Well, home dog. Those I mean, home that, dog. That's all it is. is yeah. Always popular. I, I think the Bears are the better team, and I think the Bears probably win. But I feel like this could be a field goal game. Just and and you're gonna get in four now. So if you like the Redskins, if you're on my side, look around for those fours, four and a halfs. I would not play this game if it was under three. But to me, that's that's the key. Just getting a field goal at home with Washington, who, you know, they've been. I guess Washington's probably a team that I looked at too, kind of like Arizona, that I expected them to be really, really bad, and they're at least competitive. You know, they're at least enough, like competitive enough to. But I, I, I do think you made a good point. The two games we've seen Washington play so far have been against divisional opponents, where everybody is a little bit more competitive against their divisional opponents. You have a little more pride, and you just know those teams a little bit better. So I would steer. I would. Uh, I'm going to lean Redskins here. I think, and those are the two plays I think we had against each other. I'll I'll take the Redskins, and I'll take Cincy. I think you went the opposite in those two. Yes. But but in a couple other games, we're on the same side. In particular, that Cleveland game. Plus the three. So, Dave, before we go, uh, get remind us a couple of your favorite plays over the weekend, and then let everybody know where can we find you on social media and uh, and with more ways to win. Yeah. So, social media wise, I'm uh, on Twitter at Ice Cold Exacta, and then you can tune in Friday morning, TVG, seven o'clock Pacific, ten o'clock Eastern for more ways to win. Two hour show, and then Sunday. Come back and do another two hours. We re-air the Friday on Saturday. So really, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 7 o'clock in the morning on TVG. You can catch us or you can stream us, fanduel.com slash stream. Fun show. Um, I'll have a lot of these stats and a few more as well. And then my best bets of the week are going to be the Minnesota Vikings to crush the Raiders. Um, Actually, let's turn this into a, a pretty easy teaser Vikings, Packers, Chiefs. And then if you want to throw in the, the total on the Steelers and 49ers going under, if you're, I don't know, are you a fan of teasing totals where you're going from 44 yeah. to 50? Or is sure. it better to do it on a side where you're going to get eight and a half down to two and a half and have to only win by a field goal? Well, we'll make it a four-team teaser then. Um, or And or parlay. Vikings, Packers, Steelers under. Steelers under. Dave Weaver, my good friend, I asked you for about 30 minutes. You gave me an hour. I appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> Thank you for uh, thanks for coming in. Appreciate you going through all the uh, all the games with us, and we'll have to uh, get you back maybe like around Breeders' Cup time, and we can do like a double. We'll we'll hit some uh, we'll hit some horses, and we'll do another week of uh, previewing the games. Always here for you, my man. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Hope the family's doing well, and best of luck this weekend in all your games. All right. Good luck. Let's make some cash. Okay, folks, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on That's What G Said. Big thank you to Dave Weaver, Ice Cold Exacta. That's uh, his handle on Twitter at Ice Cold Exacta, and you can find Dave on more ways to win. So if you follow him, or if you go to follow him on Twitter, you can check out all the good stuff. He has the tweet pinned up where you can purchase one of the Less Onaka shirts to help support Less. Great cause. Love Dave. Good friend of mine, and. uh you could tell. He's putting the work in now. He knows he knows the stuff and he's definitely uh taking the time and the energy to get the stats and the numbers and the research, finding the trends. Nice job, Mr. Weaver. Okay, let's do a little quick hit recap of of the games, which ones we like. For Dave, Dave's picks. Dave's like Dave likes the Vikings minus 9, the Packers Minus seven and a half. 
The Chiefs game is down to minus five and a half, six now. So I think Dave likes the way that that's moving for the Chiefs. And he likes the under in the Steelers game with Rudolph now starting up at San Fran. So under for Dave in Pittsburgh, San Fran. Chiefs, Packers, Vikings And he mentioned making it a four team teaser The under is uh, Currently 44 in that Pittsburgh San Fran game So those are Dave's plays Thanks again Mr. Weaver Let's do some quick hits on the game And then I'll I'll give you my plays Cincinnati Buffalo This game is at Buffalo minus the six And this just looks like a real trap game for Buffalo right? They came off of a couple big big victories Now they're on the road They're going home Week 3 home favorites who played their first two games On the road They are 6-22-2 Against the spread There are 4 of those teams this weekend The Bills, the 49ers Kansas City and Indy I'm going to play against the Bills And the 49ers using that stat And I'll just kind of stay away from the Kansas City and Indy games Because I can't get as good of a feel On those ones personally myself so the play in this game will be one of my seven weekend plays. We got enough to a nice one and zero start with the Jags. Number play number you can hear uh, the analysis for that on the previous podcast. Cincy plus the six. That's your first play. Detroit Philly. This game right now is Philly minus the six. I'm gonna stay away from this game. There's some injuries for Philly. They're dealing with a Deshaun Jackson injury, Alshon Jeffrey injury. Wentz got banged up last week. Goddard's injured. Uh, they they just have a lot that they're dealing with over there right now. Detroit was pretty lucky that the Chargers didn't put them away earlier last week. This this game is one that I I'm staying away from. The New England Patriots. Are a massive favorite Both the Patriots and the Cowboys are favored this week uh, The Cowboys are favored by 23 points And the Patriots are favored by 22 They would be the biggest point spreads This early in the season Since at least 1978 And when you go through some of the all time biggest What you'd see Is that they, they're all not covered All of these spreads that are like over 20 New England against Indy Didn't cover New England against the Jets Didn't cover Dallas against Philly Didn't cover uh, New England against Miami Didn't cover He's in 2007-2011 Dallas in 87 San Fran in 87 They all win But they don't cover These huge spreads Just something to keep an eye on I'm not I'm, I'm sticking away From both of those games They scare me The Jets game like, I Can't you see so the Patriots are favored by 22 right now. Can't you see the the Patriots up by 27 and the Jets just scoring a late touchdown and they lose by 20 and then you lose if you bet the Patriots? Same thing in the Dallas game. That's 22 and a half. Miami's down 27 points or 27 nothing, whatever it is, and they score a late garbage touchdown and you lose. I just can't back. And I can't tell you to to play the favorites, but I can't tell you to play 
Miami at all right now. I mean, this this Miami team is different than the bad football teams that we've seen before because they're tanking. I can't recall how many NFL football teams before have actually been trying to lose. We've seen some bad ones. So I, I'm I'm will not be getting involved in either of those two games. Oakland, Minnesota. Yeah, Dave likes this game. I'm going to stay away though. I, I'm this one. I still don't know. I feel like I know either of these two teams well enough And that number Seems about on Baltimore, Kansas City The game keeps going towards Baltimore Kansas City's a five and a half point, six point favorite now in some places So Baltimore's getting the money Kansas City with a, a couple injuries To McCoy and Williams Not sure what their backfield situation Will look like and Tyreek Hill out, but that was no problem last week for Mahomes. Not real strong on either side of, of that one. Atlanta, Indy, this is a weird one too. I mentioned that line, the week three home favorites who played their first two on the road. That that's Indy. Yeah, I'm I'm staying away there. Denver, Green Bay. Green Bay is a seven and a half point favorite now. This was one of Dave's plays. Not for me. I'm I'm just lukewarm. This game looks about on. I could see either way. No real strong opinion. Next game, I do have a a strong opinion. The Giants going to play Tampa on the road. This is six, six and a half. If you can get the six and a half for, for the Giants, take it. Six is still okay. That's just too high. Tampa should not be a six point, six and a half point favorite against anyone. The last three years. Teams to start 0-2 against the spread Are 16-5 and in week 3 So those teams are Miami, the Jets, Pittsburgh, Philly Giants, Bears, Saints, and Panthers All 0-2 against the spread I get a lot of stats all over the place Use different different websites I saw a couple of these good stats from uh, Armadillosports.com I try to bring, uh, bring them on one of the shows And have, talk some football with us So I with the Miami situation, with the Jets quarterback situation, those are 0 2 teams against the spread that I won't be looking to play. But of that group, I think there are at least three that I'm interested in playing. And this Giants team is one of them. The Giants are seven and one against the spread in their last eight road games. They are six and one straight up and five one and one against the spread in their last seven with Tampa. Tampa is four and fourteen against the spread as a home favorite. Since 2014 Giants Plus the six and a half there Second play Oh no One more little tidbit from earlier in that Bengals game I'm, I'm just seeing No Singletary for the Bills So your backfield now Singletary who's the probably one of the most explosive Players on the Bills And a, a nice playmaker for them Now you have Gore and Yeldon in the backfield Which is not I mean I, I think Singletary offers you a lot more back there Carolina With no Cam Newton They are plus two, two and a half They're on the road, they're playing Arizona That's still, I don't, I don't know I, don't, I mean, Arizona's looked better But I really don't know who they should be Favored against This is another game that I'm steering clear of Chargers Houston, Houston traveling To LA Houston, uh, The Chargers are a three point favorite in this game I would lean to the Chargers side. I'm not going to make this one of my plays. Still seems like this should be like four, four and a half. 
even with some of the Charger injuries, I still think they're a little bit better than Houston, but not not going to be one of the plays. I will make Pittsburgh a play. Pittsburgh at San Francisco. San Francisco is a six and a half point favorite. I think San Francisco is very good. I respect them. I think they probably still win this game, but this is just to me a pure instance of it being too many points because San Francisco has looked very good through two weeks. Pittsburgh has looked very bad through two weeks, and now Pittsburgh has a new starting quarterback who, to be honest, I think is fine. I think Rudolph is fine. He has a connection with Washington from college, so expect to see a little chemistry between the two of them. Pittsburgh plus six and a half. The 49ers are one and twelve against the spread, following back to back against the spread wins. So once they start to build it up a little bit, they lay an egg. The 49ers are four and eleven in their last fifteen against the spread as home favorites. Pittsburgh plus six and a half. New Orleans at Seattle. This is another game where you have an instance of a backup QB who I think is just being undervalued. Teddy Bridgewater should be fine in here. I've not been overly impressed with Seattle. New Orleans was right in that game last week, and then they had the horrible call where they should have had a, t- a defensive touchdown, and it was the whistle was blown dead. They would have been a lot closer in that Rams game. Give me New Orleans now with Teddy Bridgewater with a week two prep. They're plus four and a half. Now it's moving up. It was just four. Now it's up to four and a half. I'm seeing even five in some places. So if you can get that on the Orleans side, that's the, we want anything over four. That's great. I'm looking at another little tidbit. Sorry, I'm adding things like in between games, but I'm kind of seeing other things pop up. Sterling Shepard will be back for the Giants, which will be nice because the Giants... One of the plays against Tampa Starting Daniel Jones They're benching Eli who was awful And now they're going to have another target With Shepard back Basically their number one wide receiver That's a big help Just a couple more games to finish through And then we'll do a recap uh, with the picks at the very end Rams at Cleveland This is a three, three and a half If you can get Cleveland plus three and a half Jump all over it right now Three is fine I don't want less than three on Cleveland Just another instance of a team who has not looked good through a couple weeks, Cleveland. They're at home. I don't think the Rams have looked that great either. Road splits for the Rams and Goff, not good. Cleveland with a chance for a big, big win on Sunday night football. Plus three, three and a half at home. Look for that three and a half. Take the three if you can get it. That's as low as we'll go with Cleveland. And then the Monday night football game. Chicago at Washington Washington is plus 4 Chicago has not shown me Anything offensively They should have lost last weekend They were not down They did not have enough time to get that timeout called That was a terrible call by the referees Washington At home Plus the 4 Chicago probably wins this game But it should be a field goal game That's too many points on the road For Washington to be favored by Uh, For Chicago to be favored by at Washington Recap of the plays So Dave Weaver's plays Vikings, Packers, Chiefs Under in the Steelers game Those are Dave's four I have six for you Cincinnati Plus the six It's not quite sure how good Buffalo is I think that's a couple extra points I think that should be Buffalo Like four, four and a half And Buffalo is a six point favorite They don't score a lot of points either 
right? Watch every play of those Buffalo games the last couple weeks. Very easily, I think both of those games could have gone the other way. The Jets game where they came from behind. And then the Giants game when the Giants got up early and then just Eli looked miserable. And then we go to the Giants for play number two. Plus six and a half. Quarterback switch. You get a wide receiver target back. And you're playing against a team who's just going to be a little bit overvalued because they beat up a Carolina team on Thursday night football and Cam Newton's not healthy. So they look a little bit better beating up an unhealthy Cam. Giants, second play of the week, plus six and a half. Second play of the Sunday, plus six and a half. Pittsburgh, plus six and a half. We're going to be two instances in a row where we have backup quarterbacks who I think are not bad. They're going on the road. They're playing a team... Who, teams who are 2-0 and Pittsburgh plus the 6.5 New Orleans plus the 4 They gotta go play Seattle Pittsburgh's gotta play San Francisco Who's looked amazing in 2 weeks But remember That stat Teams to start 0-2 against the spread 16-5 and against the spread week 3 And the week 3 home favorites Who played the first 2 on the road They're 6-22-2 against the spread Pittsburgh plus 6.5 New Orleans plus 4 Cleveland, the Browns plus three is fine with me at home Sunday night football trying to get to two and one. And then Washington at home plus the four. Just not sold on this Bears team yet. We need to see the Bears show us that they can score more in order to be a four point favorite on the road against a, an okay Washington team, right? I think nobody thought Washington was going to be a world beater, but they've been competitive in their last couple games, in their couple games at least so far this year. They have some some defense, couple pieces on the offense. So I think Washington keeps this game close. Maybe the Bears squeak out a late victory here by a field goal. Six plays. We already got one in with the Jags, so we're seven plays for the weekend, and we got a nice start, one and zero. Oh. Cincy plus six, Giants plus six and a half, Pitt, Pitt plus six and a half, New Orleans plus four, Cleveland plus three, Washington plus four. Good. Luck this weekend, folks. So far in the NFL, ten and four against the spread in college, five and three against the spread. If you're looking for college football plays, we went through and spent uh, a lot of time on the college slate. Really like this weekend's college slate. The previous episode of That's What G Said, so uh, you can look. Everything is time coded. I, I put the time codes in on everything because I know some people just want to find. Some picks, some people want to find analysis Some people want to hear a certain segment about racing This and that, so if you ever Are looking at an episode Just click uh, on the information And you can find the time codes for where everything is And you can just move right to the segment That you want to hear Best of luck with the plays This weekend Get to some Saturday racing Now, this is kind of a fun Interesting Saturday Because it's a big day at, at Parks with the Pennsylvania Derby, the Cotillion, the Gallant Bob went through all of the horses in the Gallant Bob, the Pennsylvania Derby, and the Cotillion on the previous episode of That's What G Said. So if you're looking for parks stuff for Saturday, I have you all covered. Just check out the last episode. We have a best bet for you in race eight, and then thoughts on every horse, race replay stuff, trip notes. 
Everything for races 9, 10, and 11 at Parks. The reason why I split them up is because there are some other good races this weekend too, and let's talk about those here. Let's get you over to Belmont Park. Race number 8, it is the Noble Damsel. They'll be traveling a mile on the Widener Turf Course, Phillies and Mares 3-year-olds and upwards, and I like the 4. Capla Tempris. The Temptress quite a bit. She is a grade 1 winner, and multiple graded stakes winner, and she's kind of lightly raced overall for a four-year-old filly. She has run into Rushing Fall, who is eight for ten overall, four times. Capla Templis has lost four times to Rushing Fall. If you look at some of her other recent losses, she lost to Bo Recall, who's three for five on the year, who's won three out of the last four with a couple seconds on the year, and a multiple graded stakes winner this year, Bo Recall. You also see Got Stormy. After beating Capla Tempris on August the 3rd, Got Stormy went on to win the Grade 1 4 star Dave, beating the boys, and then was second in the Grade 1 Wood by Mile, also against the boys. Capla Tempris was last of six. She moved widest of all, but she was just a couple lengths behind Got Stormy when Got Stormy was asked for run, and Capla Tempris won the battle for second. Last time we saw her in the Winter Circle, July the 13th at Delaware against. A softer group The horse she beat Came right back To win up at Woodbine The stakes race Significant form is the one to beat But Kapla Temptress is the one to bet Anything around 3-1 to one On Kapla Temptress The number 4 in race number 8 At Belmont Park on, on paper Valedictorian is probably on the lead And I think significant form right behind Chasing slash pressing And that should put Capla Temptress In a spot where she should at least have These two Setting up enough pace for her Four Capla Temptress to play in race number 8 At Belmont Park Let's get you to Charlestown Old Chucktown It's the Charlestown Oaks It looked like Bellafino was going to run In this race originally But she and ended up going to the Cotillion $300,000 7 furlongs at Charlestown And I'm going to go to the one La Chancla from the inside She debuted at Churchill And it wasn't bad It was in a big field and she drew the rail And she didn't have the smoothest of, of trips throughout And then she came back In career start number 2 at Belmont And on July the 7th She beat a couple next out winners Uh both of them won maiden special weights next out at Saratoga. She sat four off on the inside. She got an opening. She moved through. She angled to the outside and she wore down rival My Bronx Tail, who ended up winning and coming back to beat a maiden special weight field at Saratoga. And then last time out, she broke well. She took back a bit. She was fourth. She was just a couple lengths off. She angled to the outside four wide and it was a nice, steady, impressive win at Saratoga. The only real concern I have with La Chancla is the rail But at Charlestown, we going a little bit the, the layout with the racetrack is a little bit different So I think saving ground from the inside should not be as difficult La Chancla going to be the top selection And a horse to play If we get anything over 3-1 to one, I think she's at 5-1, to one, a little too high there La Chancla The only, only thing is she could get bet in here She really could get bet Fashion faux pas will take some money Like newly minted will also take some money 
You have a Pletcher runner in south of France But I, I would not be su- be surprised To see Lutch Honkla take a lot of money in here We don't want to get involved If it's too short But 3-1 to one is good On La Chunkla So you're listening Right now In this horse racing part Means you're someone who likes to gamble You like to play the races Well If you like to gamble Stop right now and go Type in thrivefantasy.com Or download the app Thrive Fantasy If you use the promo code Right away, Gino Make a deposit for 10 bucks, you'll get 10 bucks right back So If you don't want to spend a whole lot, you want to just check it out Go right now, put 10 bucks in Use the promo code Gino You'll get a $10 bonus, so you'll have 20 bucks In your account Thrive Fantasy is a DFS app For prop bets You probably play DraftKings or FanDuel Or one of those uh, Daily Fantasy This is similar Whereas you are playing in big tournaments Or you're playing one-on-one against other people But the way you set your lineup Isn't by picking individual players It's by picking individual props They have a list of props You have to pick 10 of the 20 props Do you think Tom Brady will throw over or under 250 yards If you pick over You get a certain amount of points It'll tell you If you pick under You get a certain amount of points It'll tell you And that's the way you set your lineup It's fun, it's different, it's unique If you're someone who likes to play props If that's the way you handicap And you bet a lot of props Or if you're used to playing a lot of fantasy This will just have a little different um, A little different Tweak for you Uh, I've been playing the last few weeks I love it, make sure to use that promo code G-I-N-O It'll get you a a $10 bonus right back Thrivefantasy.com Churchill Downs not going to really bet this race This is just more of a Hey, take a look at Kofivi The very impressive Kofivi Who won the grade 1 test on August the 3rd She will be running in the Dogwood Actually have a couple uh, nice fillies in here I was a big fan of Champagne Anyone earlier in the year She's just tailed off a bit In her last couple starts against top-notch competition If you look, Champagne Anyone Who's run into Serengeti Empress Gorana and Dunbar Road Really no shame in losing to them Kofivi was able to get The better of Serengeti Empress In the test so uh, On paper it looks like those are the two I'm not necessarily a race to bet but A couple nice fillies that will Be using this race as a prep To uh, to maybe bigger down the line Kofivi could be a force In the Philly and Mare Sprint And she'll look to try to get a nice prep Under her belt there in the Dogwood at Churchill Laurel Park has a nice card on Saturday Lots of stakes races On the card at Laurel uh, We're going to hit on races 3, 5, and 8 Where we may have found a little bit of value Let's get to race 3 at Laurel Park And let's go to the number 4 Love Beach I thought the Debut win was was very nice And it's not easy to win Going long on the grass First time out And that's what Love Beach did for trainer Michael Stidham She got action in her debut She settled 5th She was inside She angled to the 2 path She was about 5 off She was in between horses She got an opening at the top of the lane And she really didn't even get into stride until late She looks like she can run all day That was a nice win first time out And I expect some improvement She'll probably seem like she she has her sea legs under her A little bit more second out And she looks like a horse that I would key in on In early exotics Sharing will take some money And 
Midship Lady will take a little money Sunset Promise will take some money Let's bet Love Beach to win At uh, I think kind of the same as we mentioned the other one She looks more like she should be 3-1 to one in here If she's anything over that Let's play her and let's. Uh, if you're playing some early exotics at Laurel, I would not be against uh, telling uh, having you single in in race number three with the four. Fifth race at Laurel, the one Taurus Del Payne, more of just a uh, toss this horse into some of your exotics. I feel like he will improve going a little bit longer. Just the visually, the way his when I watch his races, he runs like a horse who, who probably wants to go a little bit longer. So give him a look in here and throw him in. However, you're playing the races at Laurel on Saturday, throw him into some of your exotics. Let's get you to race number eight at Laurel, where Act One. Wonderful light. This is the D. Francis Memorial, and the only concern I have with the one is similar to a concern we had at Charlestown, is the rail. The reason why I'm not as worried is because she was able to, or he was able to work out a trip from the rail last time out for JMS Stables. I think Wonderful Light is worthy of a win wager at five to one. He likes Laurel Park. He had to deal with that tight rail last time out, so. He had to get shuffled back a little bit from the inside And then angled out Came around Nice W, very professional That's the type of trip he's going to have to deal with Again today Because when you look at this race on paper I think There are a couple with speed But that's why I I want Wonderful Light's Running style His tactical speed should be able to put him in a really nice spot Right behind him As you look at uh, Altissimo is pretty quick Spartacle is pretty quick He hate me is not exactly slow Old time revival They should all be in the mix early And maybe Wonderful Light can get A jump on New York Central And maybe uh, just sit in front of that one Wonderful Light Will play to win at 5-1 to one In that 8th race at Laurel Park Good luck this weekend In uh, horse racing as, as you can see We've got you covered here on on That's What G Said with college football wagers, NFL wagers, uh, weekend racing from Parks, Belmont, Charlestown, and Laurel. So if you need some action, we've got it for you. Also, don't forget about ThriveFantasy.com. If you have any questions about that Thrive Fantasy uh, app, the DFS app, just shoot me a message. I'll help you out. I play in it all the time. It's very easy. I can can help you if you're interested. Close things out with some Ballers, Season 5, Episode 4 Final season here We kick things off with Candice In the NFL offices And she just gets a FedEx from the LAPD We don't know what it is But we're just assuming It's the information on Kassan Teague Jason And Spencer are talking And Jason gives Spencer an idea For Kassan Teague Spencer's considering it because he needs a little help now offensively. A couple playmakers for Mahomes to throw the ball to. Next up, we're in the Rams offices and we see Charles talking with his assistant, Benny. 
They're talking about TJ Yeldon who's asking for too much money He's asking the Rams for too much money Benny mentions Duke Johnson But Charles wants to think bigger He wants to go get Alvin Kamara Ricky Who's now thinking about getting into Broadcasting Is all set up TTD got him set up with a, an interview uh, Meeting at Sirius Jay Glazer was able to uh, to help them out We see Joe and Lance And they are just overspending like crazy They're way into debt now They owe all over Lance is trying to talk some sense into Joe They just spent $80 million on a lot for a new building $50 million on Jason's agency But in the positive If Mahomes is able to get a big deal They rep Patrick Mahomes now Spencer calls Candace. He wants to ask about Kassan Teague. He lets Candace know that he's thinking about making a move. And Candace tells him that the video does exist, but will never get out. Basically tells him the league's got your back with this. Ricky is asked to audition at Sirius. He doesn't like that idea. He just wants to go on. He doesn't think he should have to audition. But he asks to start tonight. Charles talking to his boss. His boss keeps mentioning Benny. His boss obviously likes Benny Charles is a little uncomfortable because his contract is up He needs to talk about his new deal And his boss is being really Kind of coy He won't mention anything about it He says later Charles And he's just Awkward interaction That does not look good for Charles in his uh, future And might look better for Benny Boss doesn't seem happy about the Super Bowl loss Charles just adamant about getting this deal done And the boss just shrugging him off Ricky goes to the gym, he sees Randy Couture But he also sees Kassan Teague Teague and Ricky start talking And Teague asks Ricky about Spencer Teague wants to know what Spencer's like And Ricky says, tell Spencer the truth about what happened He makes a couple of uh, shot puns Boom, boom, jokes about the shootings That's always nice Joe and Lance are having a big party on a rooftop They're trying to land a new client They have a lot of their clients there Pascal does not seem interested at first Until Kate comes over and starts flirting with him Teague and Spencer They're meeting To talk about Teague possibly playing for the Chiefs Teague tells him uh, Tells Spencer That he loves the NFL But not more than he loves his friends Or where he came from This seems to hit home with Spencer He says the boys are the only reason he made it this far And Spencer asks Teague If he pulled the trigger the trigger, uh, Teague says no But then immediately admits That he did And Spencer basically tells him This is his last chance And he gives him opportunity, shakes hands And says he's going uh, to have him come play With the Chiefs Reggie and Vern They're talking and Vern's upset He didn't get on that League of Legends team Like he wanted Jason comes over and talks to them So the three of them are talking and Jason and Reggie are they're trying to talk some sense into Vern to take that big Cowboys deal. But Vern just seems really against playing. He wants to to be a gamer. He's just super into video games at the moment. And Jason's trying to talk to him and then Vern just walks off. We hear Ricky Jared, he's doing his first broadcast and oh my, he is so bad. He's awful. He's stuttering. He's freezing up. He doesn't know what he's supposed to talk about. So he gets interrupted it, The woman uh, at Sirius Tells him he has to get better So they decide to have TTD come in With him and They're going to try to spice things up a little bit And tell some stories 
At the big rooftop party, Reggie is talking with Rick Fox, and Rick Fox mentions gaming. And he says, you know, you should really get into this. It's something you should invest in. And Reggie wants to to start a team. He asks Rick Fox, what's, you know, Rick Fox says, all you need is money and talent. So what's more important? And Fox says, the one you don't have, which is a great line. Pascal is at the party, and they're all trying to woo Pascal so they can have him as a new client. He's meeting with the whole team, with Lance, with Joe, with Kate, with OBJ. Joe's getting very jealous of Kate and Pascal because she's really flirting with him. And Joe's just notified that a a check that they issued have bounced. And he's warned that if they don't reissue a new one, they will get shut down. But Joe isn't even really hearing this. He's so fixated on... On Kate and his feelings for Kate He's like in love with her now Vern is gaming with Jamisha And that's when Reggie comes over and tells Vern He's going to get him on an esports team If Vern signs the deal with the Cowboys Vern agrees And Reggie tells him that they're going to start their own Their own team They're going to have multiple teams, multiple players They want the absolute best They want to be owners Of an esports team Vern agrees. He wants Jamisha to be on the team too. It's more females in, in gaming. Ricky Jarrett's on Sirius and uh, they get a phone call from a quote unquote anonymous caller when it's Jay Glazer who's asking for the scoop. Glazer wants to know what's going on with the Teague stuff with Spencer. He wants to know whatever Ricky knows. He's trying to get the scoop. And he uh he opens up a Pandora's box here because Ricky just starts going off. On Spencer He talks only positive about Charles But he is not kind to Spencer He calls him a narcissist He just rips him repeatedly on the air Back to the party The rooftop party And Kate with her skills Has gotten Pascal to commit to Multiple editorials Just what they wanted But Joe is still not happy When Kate comes to tell him the good news Kind of admits that he's a little bit jealous And Kate kisses him Obvious Future sparks to come between them Why is she into Joe? Come on Really? Ricky keeps going uh, On serious about at Spencer I mean he is just digging into Spencer And he wonders why Spencer is using this platform And what he's using this platform for now As a new partial owner GM So Spencer calls in They have a back and forth They're going at it And Spencer tells Ricky That he's there to help the players And he says, Ricky, just watch me Basically talk is cheap See what I do, I am here To help the players from the inside It's a couple episodes of Ballers Left Final season over on HBO You can find recaps of every episode of Ballers Right here on That's What G Said Podcast Thanks again everyone for tuning in Make sure to get on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube Google Podcast, TuneIn, Spreaker And follow that's what G said podcast Thanks to the sponsors CindyCarava.com ThriveFantasy.com Make sure to download the app there Deposit $10 Use the promo code G-I-N-O And you'll get a $10 bonus Joey, close it out for me, buddy 